Hello and welcome to The Close Screening. We got a very special episode today. It's our 25th episode. Thank you, Nicholas, for the, the, the round of applause. We're filming in front of a live audience today. Yeah, we're at, a, we're at the Fox Theater in Atlanta. Yeah. Um, so today, for this special episode, we won't be talking about a movie. We're going to be trying to ruffle some feathers. Oh. Get some people mad. We're doing our unpopular opinions, hot takes. Hot film takes. Our opinions on just about anything that related to movies. Yeah. Might not even be a hot take. Might just be our opinion. It could be. Yeah, I was going to say, I, I classify a lot of, especially the back half of sort of my, my bulleted list I have here as opinions. Um, before we get started, any anything you've been watching? Um, no. Before we recorded, I had mentioned that I watched the newest episode of Loki, but I haven't been watching any new, new films. You watch uh, Rick and Morty? Oh yes, I have been watching Rick and Morty. You watched it the new episode? Loved it. Mr. Nimbus. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I uh, I watched it with a couple friends, and um, I was one of the few that seemed to really enjoy it. Everyone else really? was like quite a big. Fan. I know. Oh. I thought it was a classic Rick and Morty episode. I really did too. And you know what? It was um, it was actually written by a comic book writer. I can't remember his name. It's no one that's like in the current, mm-hmm. I guess, but. Uh, that was pretty cool that I found um, out after the fact. Because it's, you know, Mr. Nimbus I immediately thought of Namor. Namor. Yeah. But, yeah, I really enjoyed Rick and Morty. Um, A little tangent. I feel like we can do little tangents on this episode. Yeah. Yeah, this one will definitely get into tangents, ramblings, and nonsense. How long can Morty be miserable? <laughs> I don't know how long I can watch him be miserable. I love it so much. Because, like... He finally got to kiss Jessica, and finally. now she's a she calls herself a time goddess. Time goddess, and yeah. like I feel like that has big implications for the rest of the show. Oh, for sure. Or why didn't Rick just do the little memory wipe thing on her? Oh, I didn't even think about that till now. But I'm tired of watching Morty not be happy. <laughs> like but the one the the time that episode where he they showed the whole scene of him with that girl. I I rewatched the episode. <laughs> before the show started and i'll literally be in bed and then i'll just be like i'm so sad after watching that <laughs> like days after i'm like why can't morty just be happy i know well i mean rick rick can't ever be happy either really well rick's a bitch i hate rick i love him so i love them both so much i do i do enjoy though now because i feel like the whole jessica morty dynamic was it wasn't played out but i feel like at some point it was going to be played out so i'm kind of yeah. i'm kind of here for this new dynamic I just love how abrupt, like, she never had any interest in him. (laughs) Also, it seems like she's, like, 18 and he's 14. She seems so much older than him. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, she seems like the the high school senior and he's, like, the 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 freshman. freshman, Yeah. But anyway. Yeah, but that's that's what I've been watching is Rick and Morty and Loki. I watched the episode twice. Oh, I did too? Yeah. I've already seen it twice as well. Good. Um, I'm, I'm glad you enjoyed it. And I've been watching The Food That Made America on the History Channel. Is it? I'm sure it's very interesting. It's crazy. I bet some of it makes you really start to question what we watched. The one on Nathan's hot dogs. Oh no, I love. I as a well, I haven't had a Nathan's hot dog in a long time, but those things were some of my favorite as a kid. Well, it made Abigail and I when we were at the beach. Mm-hmm. It made us go out and buy Nathan's hot dogs. Oh, okay. And cook them when we grilled out. Okay. Good. And then I just I, th- I thought you were about to tell me something bad. Oh no, it's. 
their secret ingredient. They have a secret ingredient. It's garlic. I do like garlic. Maybe I that's why I like Nathan's it. hot dog. And then I watched one on Pepsi and Coke. See, I don't drink soda. It was very interesting, though, about how when Pepsi first got into, like, the the soda joints, I guess that's what they're called. Sure. People would ask for Coke, and they would just give them Pepsi. And then <laughs> Pepsi, and then Coke sued them. Wow. That's kind of funny. And then the guy offered to give Pepsi to Coke for $50,000 when they were, like, bankrupt, and they said no. Wow. But we don't we don't have to get into that. That's crazy. But it is a very interesting show. The History Channel, I've been sleeping on it. The History Channel, it definitely gets a bad rap. And sometimes it's very warranted because of some of the stuff that they play. But yeah, History Channel has always been like solid, solid entertainment. Because uh, it started off somehow uh, top 10 biggest freak out freakouts on Pawn Stars came across my feed. <laughs> On on uh, YouTube, so does that show still play? Is it? Oh yeah, they had a whole corn. They have a whole quarantine setup now. Really? There's a glass. Didn't like, like one a of pane them. Of glass. One or two of them. Didn't they get arrested or have like trouble well, with the law? Probably Chumley. Isn't Chumley like extremely skinny now? Oh yeah. Or I guess but, skinnier. Uh, but the the grandpa died. Oh, old man. Yeah. Oh, that sucks. So now it's just them. You know, and just to go back to food for a second, this this is a tangent to the tangent. <laughs> Did you see that Subway was getting sued because? The tuna that they were selling wasn't actually like they did like a DNA test. There's no tuna in their tuna product that they sell in their sandwiches. That's disgusting. And who's getting tuna from Subway? Have, do you do you like Subway? Do you eat Subway? No, I think Subway's disgusting. I I recently stepped foot in Subway for the first time in years. Not to eat anything. I was just I was with a friend. I haven't eaten Subway maybe since <laughs> I could have been in eighth grade. This was maybe ten years ago. Who eats at Subway still? Remember when they were like the number one fast food? Remember they or they, they had they, the most they, stores. They, might, they probably don't anymore because yeah. McDonald's is taking over the world. Yeah, I feel like they got bad press too. Once their their boy, yeah, Jerry, got a, yeah, got a is that his name? Was it Jerry? Something like that, maybe. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, <laughs> yeah, and Subway smells gross. Yeah, something about it. I know. I've, I've we've got a couple friends that listen to the podcast that are big Subway defenders. Oh, really? So we've we might already be on a wrong foot. Uh, all right, but let's just get into yeah, it. Yeah, we should probably get into our hot film takes. Yeah, <laughs> we're already five minutes in. So I have s- roughly 16 bullet points. <laughs> I have eight, but a couple of them I know are going to lead to some conversations. Okay, well, I guess we'll just jump into it. The The first little section here I have, they'll, I'll be talking about the MCU specifically first and then Star Wars because those are my two loves. And then uh, the rest of them will be kind of just random film stuff. So... I'm going to go ahead and start with my first one, and it is this. The perfect comic book to film adaptations of Superman, Batman, and Wonder Woman have already been made, and nothing will ever top them. And I'm talking specifically about Christopher Reeve's Superman, Michael Keaton's Batman, and now Gal's Wonder Woman. Those are the best comic book film adaptations of Michael the trio. Keaton's Batman. Yep. You've heard it here first, I, I just I just watched that in one of my film history classes. Do you like it? No. <laughs> I I really do. Well, okay. Like like Michael the, Keaton, not a bad Batman. Not a bad Batman. Like the the if I don't think at this point I'll ever see the perfect comic book adaptation of Batman. Like I just don't feel like DC is interested in doing that anymore. I think they tried to do it with Ben Affleck to a certain extent, but it but it wasn't like the true Batman. Nolan's Batman, even though The Dark Knight will be the superior Batman film, or that, that trilogy to any of the Michael Keaton films, 
I still think Keaton's Batman is the best comic book adaptation of Batman we'll ever get on the big screen. I think that the the Michael Keaton Batman could have been iconic if it wasn't directed by Tim Burton. Mm, interesting. I, I don't like the Tim Burton style. Yeah. That he that's fair. employs in all of his films. That's that's very fair. I and then I, I admire his his consistency his to commitment Tim, to his the, to Tim Burton style. Yes. I mean, I guess you could call him an auteur. Yeah. But I guess looking through it, the film through the lens of someone who's watched a lot of his other works. Yeah. You're like, I'm watching a Tim Burton movie. I'm not, I don't feel like I'm watching a Batman movie. That's fair. I'm watching these guys cosplay as Batman. Yeah. Uh, the Bat- did you Have you seen the second one? Batman Returns? Mm-hmm. I love that one. I think that is actually... Better? It's... <sighs> I do, actually. Okay, I, well, so I should watch it. It's tough to say because, like... Like the Dark Knight will always be my favorite Batman film, and then, and then it probably is Batman Returns, and then Batman Begins, and then the nineteen eighty nine Batman. Like Batman Returns was a revelation for me. Okay, so I should watch it. It was so good. Danny DeVito as the <laughs> Penguin is that's that's a that's a casting made in heaven. It is, and truthfully, even though Michelle Pfeiffer's Catwoman isn't, I'll say that one steers from like a comic book adaptation of Catwoman, but she is phenomenal that's the best Catwoman we'll ever get to it's worth checking out okay the the batman one with michael keaton was going to be a little controversial wonder woman will ever not be made better now sorry linda carter you know i know you had your thing back in the day and people consider you wonder woman but gal will always forever be known as wonder i know woman now. that back in december january december yeah. i took a massive shit on that movie yeah <laughs> well and here's the thing i'll say this the Wonder Woman 1984 or just the the first Wonder Woman film that came out even though you may not like those films and she's plenty of people Wonder don't Woman. she's a good Wonder Woman she is the best Wonder Woman you'll ever get in your lifetime now I'm sorry 50 years from now you I don't think you will and then I don't I don't have to say anything about Christopher Reeve Superman mm-hmm. I love Henry Cavill to death uh, people complaining about the new black Superman film coming out you'll you'll always have Christopher Reeve Superman that will be the truest best version of superman you'll ever see in your life i think henry cavill's been done dirty he has i th- I think he could have made the perfect superman he could have he 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 literally i think he looks the most like superman out of any man in existence right now he does and he was given he does horrible costume i just have i have a problem with this clark kent really christopher reeve was so good but at it, being is that clark and i don't superman. i don't think that do you think that's his fault or is that the writing um a little bit of both. Okay. I, I, I will say it's maybe like 70% writing, 30% him. So the lion's share of it does not fall on him. But there are things he could do. Like I can point to watching those Christopher Reeve films and saying, wow, that's I, I see him. That's a different character he's portraying. Mm-hmm. Sometimes I look at Henry Cavill and I'm like, mm. I feel like Henry Cavill has become a better actor since Man of Steel. What was that? 2013? 2013, yep. Yeah, we're in 2021 now. Yeah, have you seen the newest Mission Impossible? I guess it was seven. Nope, have not. He was really good in that. Okay, have to. Yeah, I I like Henry Cavill. Only only Mission Impossible I've ever seen, and I went and saw in theaters. Which one? Do you remember the title of it? Fallout. Maybe I saw it. I don't think I did actually. It it was it was the Henry Cavill mustache. You'd know if you saw. Oh yeah, then I didn't see it. I didn't see it. All right, this my my first one. I'm coming out of the gate strong. Okay. The MCU Spider Man. Is not only a bad character, but also a bad franchise. Mm. I 
we talked about this a lot. And I, I, I know that there's a certain listener that <laughs> would like to come on the podcast and debate me. We, we have had several conversations about this. And I, my biggest flaw with Spider-Man, at, as it stands right now, the Tom Holland iteration of Spider-Man, is he cannot get about, out of Iron Man's shadow. My biggest thing is he can't get out of fucking high school. That's also true. Literally the I, I, only time he was out of high school, I guess in Spider-Man 2 and 3, he was out of high school. Yeah. But Andrew Garfield, they put him back in high school. Yeah. And Peter Parker, it seems like he'll be in high school until he leaves the MCU. It does. It, well, it's hard because it was it was when Andrew Garfield took over Spider-Man, it was cool to still see him in high school just because Tobey Maguire's character, like you look at him, you feel like you sh- he should have been in high school. And like he wasn't in high school for... Well, just in the first film, I guess. I think he was even yeah. in college by the time the film was over. So it was cool yeah. to get Andrew Garfield as a kid in high school, but Andrew Garfield also didn't like like he belonged in high school. Like Tom <laughs> Holland, Tom Holland, it does feel like he should belong in high school, but now that we've seen Andrew Garfield go through that, yeah. it feels like we, we do need something a little bit different. And I just feel like they've strayed too far from what the character is. At times, they, shef- they definitely have. Because I don't, first off, MCU. We've seen Spider-Man swing around New York City maybe two minutes of footage. Not probably not even that. Yeah, he well, did it most, for a most, second. Most in, of it was in the post-credit scene of yeah, Far From Home. Yeah, that was the only time he f- swings around in New York City. Yeah, in that entire movie. Yeah, and then he did it for two seconds in Infinity War. Yeah, you're right. Is that? <laughs> how do you? I don't know if I'm just nitpicking at this point, but like. To me, that is essential. It is. Spider-Man belongs in New York City. It is. And it's like, I don't know if it's because they feel like that's been Tobey Maguire's Spider-Man like took like the monopoly on that. Like, I don't understand why they won't do it. But It's like a, comic, a, a, a writer getting Spider-Man and they're like, we're going to not have him swing around in the city. Right. It's, because it's, it's been so done strange. before. And it's like your favorite, like my favorite parts of this Tobey Maguire films are when he's swinging through the city and it's like, it's so, the scope and scale of it's so epic. And then you have like the operatic music and it's just, oh, mm-hmm. just so cool. And it's like, why can't and we get that? Far From Home, is that the second one? Yes. Is probably one of the worst films in the MCU. See, that's the thing. So I didn't necessarily have a problem with how they introduced Spider-Man in Homecoming. So I'm like, okay, you have to establish this character in your universe now. You can be like Iron Man Jr. if you want and, you know, whatever whatever far from home does have the problem where okay you have now taken this character out of his home base for the second time now and again you have not developed him into his own standalone character it's it's not Mm -hmm. i don't know and because and because of that like because you don't have spider-man acting like spider-man should and because he's not in new york it doesn't feel like a proper spider-man film yeah, but I still did. I just still enjoyed it. Like I, I know that you don't enjoy it at all, Mm-mm. and I do to a certain extent. But I do have some of the same problems you do. And my biggest thing is I cannot stand that the film is trying to tell me one thing: that Spider-Man, like he's getting over Tony's death, and like the climax of the film is supposed to be you're your own man who can beat Mysterio, blah blah blah, and then you get on Tony's, Tony's ship. ship with Tony's tech with uh, Tony's tech and Tony's what's his music. Name? Happy. Happy. And then you play ACDC as you're making your iron, your new iron spider suit, basically. Yeah. I, that's the stuff that drives me crazy. 
I was okay. I was okay. So I think Civil War mm-hmm. was the best interpretation of the character we've gotten so yes, far. Yes, it sure has. It sure was. And I was okay with him getting one suit from Tony because yeah. when we meet him, he's a high school. He only has his handmade suit. Yeah. And then he gets his new cool suit. Nice. Yeah. And then he and then he gets another one made by Tony. Yeah. Okay. Whatever. Whatever. I'm fine with that. And then he gets. I guess not. He makes a third one. It, that. It's like they're trying to have their cake and eat it too. They are. They are. Uh, yeah, that's the stuff I can't stand. I'm, and the th- and the thing that makes me, I'm I'm really excited for the new Spider-Man film, and I'm, like, 100% sure Toby and Andrew will be in it, despite them trying to tell me they're not going to be in it. But I'm so concerned that this film is going to try to do too much. I think it will. I think it's going to. And it's weird because I feel like there's no, like, you have to have this continuity between the first two films, but I feel like this film's going to try to do something completely different. Mm-hmm. And then we also have the secret identity exposed now, and I'm like, how is all this going to work in tandem to create a cohesive Spider-Man trilogy, yeah. Spider-Man standalone film? Like, I'm, I'm, that's the stuff I'm slightly concerned about. We'll see. Yeah. But it just, as he's my favorite character. I know. And, and that's the thing. He'll, he'll come under the most scrutiny. That... I, d- I like Tom Holland. Nothing yeah. against Tom Holland. I do enjoy him as Spider-Man a lot. But I just think the way that they've they've taken the character is not a direction that I like. That's fair. That's fair. Who am I to to pass judgment? That's right. When I'm just a lonely <laughs> man and these movies are making a billion dollars. Yes, I was about to say, I'll stay. hey, I'll say this. Aquaman. Aquaman made more money than Far From Home. So... The masters do that with what they want. Do that. Do with that information what you will. Have we got another MCU one? I'm thinking from you. Uh, yes. Do you have any more MCU? I have. I have two more. Okay, good. So we can alternate. Um, you mentioned Civil War, so I'll get to it. Captain America: Civil War and the first Avengers films are actually not very good, despite their overall importance to the MCU. Both those films are actually pretty bad. You don't like Civil War? No, I rewatched it. Even more than once to be sure I wasn't crazy. Like, have you rewatched it recently? Mm-mm. It's not very good. Like, I'm sorry. And I love the Risa Brothers. The Winter Soldiers, like, S-tier. The Infinity War and Endgame films, S-tier. That, I think, for me, that will always have a special place in my heart. Because it was the movie that got me back, back into, into it. the MCU. Exactly. And it's, again, it's like, it's tough to talk about it. And I don't, I don't know how to truly convey this without, like, people watching it again. Without, like... Without looking at it through the lens of, oh my gosh, the superheroes fighting each other were cool. Black Panther's introduced, cool. Spider-Man's introduced, cool. It's not very, like the story is actually not good. The choreography, I, I actually dare you to go back and watch that film through like, look at the choreography of some of the action sequences, especially the beginning of the film. It's a mess. It is not good. It's actually not oh, when they're good. in Lagos. Yeah. And they're fighting crossbones. It's not good. Even by the end of the film, the twists, the turns don't work for me. Like I, I almost kind of fall like want to fall asleep. It's not good. Yeah, I feel like the film is just remembered for. Like I said, it's it's very just like the Avengers. I mentioned the Avengers too. Even ba- even back when the Avengers came out, Avengers is not a good movie. No, I remember being in the theater, and again, I could appreciate like what I was watching and how important it was. Like it was this, it was a big moment for Marvel and for movies. But I knew it was very cliche. It was very by the books formulaic characterization was 
ho-hum. It's, it wasn't very good. Again, it's very important, just like Civil War, but they're not good films. And I will stand by that. They are not. There's been a lot of misses in the MCU. Yeah. That Duncan talked about a lot. Yeah. I, I mean, think, I... I like everyone looks... Oh, sorry. No. No, go on, go on. Everyone looks at, like, Thor The Dark World and The Incredible Hulk and, I guess, Age of Ultron as, like, like the... The shitty movies of the yeah. franchise, but then you Fate. look and be like, okay, there's actually been some, yeah, some pretty bad ones. Like Iron Man Two is not good. I uh, can't wait to get to my next point. <laughs> like Avengers is not good. Yeah, the second Guardians of the Galaxy movie, not that good. Ooh, one day we need to do a an MC ranking. I was with you on some of those things, and then other things I was not. <laughs> okay. Uh, all right, go go to your, go to your next point, and I'll go to. My all right. The MCU is hurting its directors by not letting them use their own personal flares. Hmm. The only time that we've ever seen a director stand out mm-hmm. is Taika Waititi in Ragnarok. Ragnarok. I directors like Ryan Coogler, and I'm, I'm hoping it's not the case with Chloe Zhao. Oh my gosh, yes. I think we're both crossing our fingers for that one. Are. I don't want to see wasting away in the MCU because. Yeah. They probably getting paid well. They like they're yeah. getting directing. And in their defense, I does I do feel like if if you direct one of these big budget action films, specifically a Marvel film, audience members have a a better tendency to then want to follow you to your other projects. Mm-hmm. Maybe again, maybe not. But but like Ryan Coogler hasn't done. He hasn't. I don't think he's directed anything since Black Panther. Yeah, that's fair. And now he's directing another one. Yeah, that's fair. I know he's produced, like he produced Judas and the Black Messiah, and then he's producing Space Jam Two. Oh, that's right. But like, yeah, it's producing and directing are not the same thing. Yeah, well, it's yeah, because Marvel back in Phase Two, it was like those films were kind of, eh, and then there was a lot of problems where, like, Marvel Studios was a little bit too demanding and in control. And like we sh- we would have had Edgar Wright direct. Yeah, I was, I was about to say Edgar Wright. It, we talked about this. That's probably, probably the biggest. Would probably have been one of the best directors you could ever get yeah. to direct a superhero movie. And specifically for a character like Ant-Man, that would have been awesome. And you can still see like his influence because he's still a yeah. producer on the film. Exactly. And I feel like we would have got such a better film if I agree. He was he got to I agree. I feel like Marvel did a, I I think they heard those criticisms and did a better job of giving their directors a little bit more mm-hmm. leeway starting in phase three. But I think there is still a lot of oversight on their part. And, and you're right. And unfortunately Marvel's gone too big now and everything has to stay within the continuity that you are yeah. almost a cog in the machine. I'm hoping cause like Sam Raimi, I mean, I know everyone knows him from yeah. Spider-Man, but he got his name in with the evil dead. Yeah. And also, I'm going to talk about that later <laughs> in a completely different context. Yeah. But I'm hoping that they will let him pull from his whore roots. Because I, I know they keep promising a whore film. They but do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. How scary are you going to get? Like I know. Because I know with a PG-13 rating, you can push the limits of what is considered scary. You should be able to. Because I think the new Conjuring movie was PG-13. Mm-hmm. Like, so you can make a good horror film that doesn't have to be R. Yeah, that's fair. 
it, and if you're gonna hire some like a big name like Sam Raimi, yeah, or Taika Waititi, I guess he wasn't really that big until yeah, Thor. I would argue not. But like these directors that have such a personal style, let them flaunt their wings. Yeah. Um, it's interesting too that you bring up Sam Raimi because I mean that was another instance just recently where S- Scott Derrickson was supposed to be Doctor Strange too, just like he directed the first one, and he said nope. Uh, creative differences and the same thing's going on with star wars with uh what colin Trevorrow? Cal- yeah colin trevorrow trevorrow i mean oh my what gosh. we've heard from that movie oh. it it didn't honestly it didn't seem like it was going to be good it seemed like it might have been shit it does but it was original it was original and it at least at least it was tr- attempting to do something that we haven't seen before and it was going to be a little bit there was going to be at least some continuity like i don't all of them like i don't think it's a hot take to say that Star Wars, what the Rise of Skywalker is that what it's called? The the newest, the yeah. ninth, yeah, Rise of Skywalker. I we're some of the biggest Star Wars fans ever. Mm-hmm. I've seen that movie twice. I've only seen it once. I, I don't want to see it again. And then I watched it again with my. I went and saw it with Abigail in theaters. Yeah. And I went and saw it with my mom. Yeah. I tried to watch it with my sister at home. I literally told her. I said I have to turn this off. Yeah. I cannot finish this movie. Yeah. Well, we'll, we'll get we'll it's get not, to that. That's not even a hot too. take at I this know. point. I know it's not. Um. I I'll I'll go ahead in this just to to finish my my last bullet point in the MCU. I do have to say and this this starts to get into a little bit more ranking, but it needs to be said. Iron Man 3 is the worst entry in the MCU and Thor the Dark World is actually B tier. High B tier. Never seen it. Never I seen Thor never the Dark seen World because at a point in my life I was just not interested in sure watching those kind of movies. Yeah. And then by the time I got into it, I got it back into it in I know I saw like Guardians in theaters, and then I—I yeah. w- I don't know when that came out in context of Civil War, mm-hmm. but I saw that, that was before. I know it came out before, but like, was it like a year before? 2014, and Civil War 2016. Okay, and then uh, the only reason I even went and saw Captain America: Civil War was mm-hmm. because I knew Spider-Man, Spider-Man was going to be in it, right? Yeah. Um, and then by the time I was getting back into it, everyone was like, "Thor: Dark World is horrible. Don't watch yeah. it." I was like, well, "I never watched it. It has risen through the ranks. It is." It is B tier, and I know like a like the Loki show, a bunch of the stuff that they're talking about is con- is that yeah stuff yeah, uh, it's even I, I even in Endgame even in Endgame it was referenced. It, I mean, don't get me wrong, it's it's not Ragnarok, obviously. I didn't like the ver- I didn't like the first Thor. I thought that Thor: The Dark World leaps and bounds better than that. Thor's not good either. No, it's not. I don't think is there a single like standout movie in Phase One of the MCU that is a good film. I say the first Iron Man. Yeah, I stand by that one because I feel like because it has the probably the most grounded story. Yeah, my biggest disappointment in the last year was thinking that The Incredible Hulk was actually a really good film, and then I rewatched it and I said, "Oh boy, I was very, very wrong." <laughs> it's so interesting that they picked the I mean Hulk to go second in the MCU. It was well, Edward, it's, Edward Norton is just was never a convincing superhero. Yeah, I liked his Bruce Banner, but. I don't get me wrong. I like Edward Norton. I love Edward Norton. But uh, my my biggest point from this bullet point was that Iron Man 3 is unequivocally the worst film in the MCU. And there are audience members out there. We've had conversations. They're screaming right now and fuming at me. I, I dare all of you. Because you haven't. You haven't taken up the challenge, viewers, listeners. Watch it again. I dare you. The, the worst. Hey, I know wor- every, everyone worst. here has Disney+. Plus. I every, can guarantee yeah. you everyone has that. I dare you. I would rather watch... 
Ant-Man, Ant-Man and the Wasp, The Incredible Hulk, Thor. I would watch those films three times before I'd <laughs> see Iron Man 3 again. Horrible. I can't believe Horrible. that film made a billion dollars. It was just riding the Avengers wave. And because it's Robert Downey Jr., I, I it's think a I mockery. It I never saw it in theaters. I saw it once. Yeah. Maybe, I didn't even, I, maybe I'll go watch it again. Don't. Don't. Don't actually do I it. I know a guy, a guy named Killian, right? Yeah. Don't do it. So I know when he blows up. That's There's my, two that blow up. <laughs> that's my final MCU my, point. This is a hot MCU take. Uh-uh. The MCU could have and maybe should have ended with Endgame. Mm. Excuse me. Yeah. Um, because... The superhero genre, burning bright right now. Yeah, it is. But who knows when that bubble's going to burst? And there have now been more confirmed projects <laughs> since Endgame se- than there was before. Yeah. You're right. It's and, and we're superhero friends. We love it. We love to we see do. it. Yeah. But some at some point, they're going to they're gonna have to start scrapping projects at some point because they're not going to be making money anymore. I know. I mean, superhero movies, they keep saying, are the new Western. Yeah. This is what's popular right now. That's right. Everyone's going to see them. And some one day, people are going to be like, I don't care. I know. And it's, it will be sad. But and, and you're right in the sense that it you just, it seems like that's the peak. Like, you you can't do any better than Yeah, Endgame. like, we've had literally this story that we've been building for a decade. Right. Finally, it's amazing that we even got a payoff to that. I know. And then now, it just seems like. It's it's almost like they probably have a big plan, but it, I feel did. like they, that movie comes out and everyone just sits back in their chair and goes, "What what are we gonna do now?" Yeah, <laughs> and and don't get this and don't get me wrong. You and I have both read. We know of stories that are much bigger than the Infinity Gauntlet, Infinity War, whatever you want to call it storyline. There's there's one that comes to mind that we both read. One recently that I just lent to a friend that th- that could be their next big thing. But it seems unlikely that they'll spend the amount of buildup to get yeah, to that another, as they did. Another ten years. And obviously, Marvel obviously didn't foresee that Iron Man was going to lead to this. Of course not. Mm-hmm. Joss Whedon threw in Thanos at the very end. He he didn't give it a second thought. And at that point, they decided to build around it, which is fine. But it's just, yeah, it's and I tough. Like there's just such high expectations. There, of, there is. Like every, like even you, you even see it to the every single episode of the Disney Plus series that are coming out. People are disappointed that yeah they haven't introduced someone new. That's right. You watch an episode of the first episode, third episode of WandaVision. People are theorizing about <laughs> you know, obviously the Mephisto meme, but oh like gosh, it's like they such high expectations, and it's almost like you can't just tell a single story anymore. No, you can't because it it, so, it has to lead to something to something bigger. It does, and obviously, I mean, these stories are because right. they sort of have to, right? Yeah. But like there, there can't be like basically like an an Iron Man anymore. That's yeah. just like a standalone story with a small little tease. Do you think the MCU will exist ten years from now? Two thousand thirty-one. I do. I think so. I do too. Which but which blows my mind. It's weird because it's funny after Avengers, like in in the phase two, I remember. As, as just a huge fan of this kind of stuff, I remember the talk saying, you know, it's a, you know, Avengers peaked, you know, Iron Man 3, you know, superhero films are about to go out of fashion. And then it kind of ramped up again, kind of like yeah, you know, they, around they the Guardian, Civil War. And then at that point, we knew what we were building up to and it was only going to ramp up and get big. I just can't, I just don't know. I don't know. 
and it's and it's hard too because you know we're talking about this in the in the context of marvel dc wants a piece of that pie too and so it's like it's just it does seem like oversaturation yeah and then but but we get all but right now like it's image not. comics are now getting their right their rights bought out and exactly. we just had that netflix show yeah one season Jupiter's legacy yeah it's it'll be interesting to see because we've got the boys we've got invincible yeah and and people loving it but well you're right one day it will have to come to an end but you know what what is I'm i'm just curious i can't wait for 40 years from now when we get the uh like the throwback superhero movie like we do get the the westerns yeah it will just be interesting and i don't know but i, I guess th- like they've been making spider-man movies since 2000 they have but it's but it's different it is the mcu is a different beast it's different because th- that, that was that was like trilogy. a i don't know those were big those were big films to come out because it was the only nothing else yeah. coming out not even i mean batman was a couple years after spider-man i don't know it's tough that's, yeah. m- that's my last MCU point. I I like that. I I don't necessarily. I mean, I obviously, I don't, I don't agree that it should have ended. No, I I think that if they needed to end it, that would have been the perfect time. Ex- instead of I 100% agree with one that. day having it just end on yeah a bad note. And that's the th- and I a, I, a I random I, movie. I hate getting into this tangent too, but like, if they know it's coming to an end. Do they try to like squeeze out every last bit that they can, or do you think they end on a huge thing, like an in-game level thing? I feel like because they if have you, to end you, on like some sort of like event film, I know. it has to be like an Avengers film or like but then an it be- X-Men. But then type. it begs the question: if they do that, then people will flock to see it, and it'll make a bajillion dollars. They'll be like, "Wait, are we done?" And they say, "Oh shit, we just made, <laughs> we just broke, we just doubled Endgame." <sighs> I hope I hope for Avatar's sake that they do. All right, we should probably move on because this is going to be a very long episode. Who cares? We're we're ha- we're, we're shooting. No, shit. I I know. I'm enjoying this a lot. Um, Star Wars. I have I have two Star Wars uh, hot takes. Well, actually, the the first one it is not a hot take. I've talked about it before. People are not with me on it. The Last Jedi is the best entry in the sequel trilogy because it dared to do something different. It dared. Okay, so you know when we used to live together, yeah. We, I had some very hot opinions. Hot. Not, I, I would, but, but you weren't the only one. It was literally, it was me and a couple people on an island. So you're, you're not, you weren't the only one. Okay. So I, I remember going to see The Force Awakens. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. Let's give the people some context. Because people, you also need to put yourself in the shoes of yourself in 2015. I go and see that movie. Right. We I all had, do. We hadn't, it'd been 10 years. It's been, yeah. I, I still remember, I went and saw... Revenge of the Sith, when I was seven years old, seven times in theaters in like three different states, even. Yeah, there you go. I saw it multiple times as well, and it came out on my birthday. Oh, wow, and it was just amazing. Yeah, and then you go and you're like, I'm a kid again. Yeah, and you watch it. Granted, Force Awakens does not dare, like you said, it does not do anything it that is we haven't seen before. It, it is a new hope. It's not a bad movie. <laughs> it's not. It's not a bad movie. It's not. But it's it's not a new movie. It is not. It is, in fact, it is f- the most unoriginal film I think I've ever seen in my entire life. It might be life. the most uninspired piece <laughs> of filmmaking in existence. But yes, it is. It is but well done. It is nostalgic. It is. It's. It's beautiful. It's beautiful. J.J. Abrams, and say what you will. He. He. It's beautifully shot. Fit. Awesome. He did. A, he did enough by creating these new characters right. that were were intriguing enough. Yeah. And for the next two years. Yeah. That's the problem. 
this is the problem. Yeah, and I and I, is, I have to blame myself. I can't right. blame the filmmaker. Well, and but it's you know what though with expectations like Star Wars, you're you know you aren't the only people. I mean, this is everybody. Everybody's theorizing and watching yes. videos. And I'm getting, watching. You're creating your own hand cannon. Star What's Wars happening? theories on YouTube for hours at a time. Yeah, senior year in high school, and I'm not doing anything else. Yeah, and then oh, like man. like I say about like I say about Spider Man. I'm mad at the movie for it failing to give me something that it never promised. Right. And when I when I came out of Endgame, I'm not Endgame, Last Jedi, Last Jedi. two years later. Yeah. I okay. I was so pi- so hyped for the movie. Yeah. Unreasonably excited Be- for because that movie. and and for those who have forgotten as well because I remember this very well. In the lead up to the film, the early reviews and critics. Oh, I mean, they had like equa- they had equated it. They had equated it. Yes, you'd heard amazing things, and they had equated it to this generation's Empire Strikes Back. Yeah, the best, the best Star Wars film ever. And and the trailers were amazing. And I mean, then we had the we had the the uh, the cliffhanger of her handing the lightsaber to Luke. Yep. Yep. And then I watched the movie, <laughs> and I was. I was just blown away by the <laughs> the I don't even know what how to describe like just the the trade in of jokes instead of serious storytelling moments. Yeah. And that is just something that yeah. I think you kind of cannot get like behind or beyond yeah. get over it. I can agree. When when Luke throws the lightsaber over his shoulder, it 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 fe- it feels like a that's a big problem. A director saying, "I am on those same forms that you're on, but I have the power and you don't." Yeah. So I'm I'm not going to give you a serious moment. I'm just going to toss this yeah. lightsaber that is one of the most iconic props yeah. in the history of cinema. And and the it's pro- right there. Yeah. <laughs> the it's movie poster's right there right now. Yep. Yeah. It's it's not right there, but it's that's bad optics. The, the biggest thing about The Last Jedi, and, and, and I'll say this, I look at it less favorably now than I did, So I, and I still I still think it's the best of the, of the sequel trilogy, but I do look at it a little less favorably now. I will say this. This is Ryan Johnson's problem. As a, as a storyteller, whatever medium, whether it be novels, books, film, video games, whatever, your job is to completely subvert the audience's expectations. And sometimes when the audience thinks you're supposed to zig, you zag. As a storyteller, though, you need to you need to do that f- three or four out of the five times. You don't do it five out of five times. And Ryan Johnson zags when he's supposed to zig <laughs> five out of five times. You have to sometimes give the audience what you want. You cannot completely dismantle everything and subvert mm-hmm. every expectation that was presented to the audience. That is not good. And... There are there are some good moments in the film. He he strengthens this the Kylo Ren Ray yeah. bond. Yep, sure does. And which was the crux of the sequel trilogy in my opinion. It was nothing else. That was the dynamic, the relationship that should have been the driving heartbeat of the entire thing, which is why I can't stand Rise of Skywalker. And but he did my boy Finn. <laughs> so dirty, so bad, so dirty. And and Poe to a certain extent, I'll admit. And just the throne room scene is one of the worst choreographed fight scenes That's I've bad. ever seen. That's so bad. And it's, it's really this, is. this is not even a nitpick. There is a part when 
Ray is fighting one of the guards one on one and he pins her he has two daggers basically. Yeah. And he pins her and I guess they realized that in the position that she had got herself into, he could have stabbed her with his free hand. That's right. I know exactly so what you're talking about. So they just take out the dagger. Yep. He doesn't have a dagger in his hand. That's right. Yeah. And that's that's unforgivable for in a for film like that. Yes, it is. It is absolutely unforgivable. In the most anticipated film of the year, of the the highest grossing, uh, probably not even the highest grossing like franchise, the most popular franchise in the world. Yeah. Yeah. The, if is it lack of attention to detail? Is it poor choreography? Is it someone actively going in there and taking that away? Yeah. From that scene because they saw what it did and they didn't want to reshoot it. Right. I don't know, but and then expecting them not to notice. Yeah, I know. It's yeah. You're right. There's no other word for it but for un- unforgivable. And uh, and so and so this is it. You know, there's there's a lot wrong with it. But I will admire its its willingness to again I didn't have necessarily a, a big problem with Luke's characterization. I know a lot of people did. Um but I enjoyed I I lo- especially when Snoke died. I loved that because in my opinion we didn't need to know who Snoke was at all. But I I did like that too. I thought it was a really cool scene and it made my jaw drop to the ground, which was cool. And then Disney because the lead up to this film you have Kathleen Kennedy. Yeah. The what she was the president of Lucas. Yeah, I think she still is. She's literally talking with Ryan Johnson about how much she loves the film. Yeah. How much they're on board. They're giving him his own sequel, his yep. own trilogy. Yep. And then the movie comes out and audiences do not like it. Yeah. And then quietly behind the scenes, they take away his trilogy. Mm-hmm. And then this new film comes out and they've completely done a 180 on everything that he set up. Yeah. Which. Granted, I I wasn't always a fan of how the series was going. Yep. But stick to your guns and you just do. go with it. You can't. Yeah, I was to say. Because almost the entire runtime of Rise of Skywalker is reversing what <laughs> happened in the Last Jedi. It is. And if you're gonna if you're gonna say, all right, we're gonna reverse, why not make a fourth film? Because <laughs> the Rise of Skywalker, first of all, it was too long, and there was way too a long. lot of filler. Yeah. But also, they were trying to tell a story that should have been five hours long yeah they did but we could talk about uh, the fault Palpatine. of Ugh. the new trilogy so and I don't, we don't even have to get into the red skywalker because it's not even hot takes i know because i think everyone hates that movie i just i i guess just in closing for this point i i just had my you know say what you will about where it took the story i appreciated the fact that after seeing force awakens be a rehash of the original star wars film and then rise of skywalker just I don't even know what to say it's with Palpatine and everything. I just don't know what to say. So the fact that you, you try to do something different because I, I feel like that's what, like if I'm George Lucas, I maybe don't like where you took my characters, but I can appreciate the fact that you didn't remake my films mm-hmm. or try to, I don't know, make money off of my characters that should have a finite ending. I don't know. I don't know. Next bullet point. We're off of Star Wars. Oh, can I say one more thing then? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm off. I don't have any Star Wars okay. on my list. 
Um, this this was just a quick one. Um, no prequel film, not even Revenge of the Sith, should be ranked ahead of any of the original trilogy films in a Star Wars film ranking. And I love Revenge of the Sith. I can I one hundred percent agree with that. There you go. I no matter what you know. Five, four, six, three. Yeah. Seven. Oh, so you were you would rank seven above three. No, five okay. Five, five, four, six. Yeah. Three. There you go. Seven. Two mm, eight I'm, one nine. I'm loving the love for two. Yeah. I mean that it's just quick. I for some reason now, and I think especially after the sequel trilogy has now sort of permeated our consciousness now, our the pop culture. I feel like a lot of people now are really hyping up the prequel trilogy, and sometimes it's deserved, and sometimes it's not. Yeah. A, lo- a lot Attack of the clones is not good. I do enjoy it. Uh, I'll say that it's not good, but I, I enjoy it more than I think most people do. But let's not go crazy and start to say that Revenge of the Sith is better than either the original Star Wars or Return of the Jedi because that's that's asinine. It's blasphemy. Okay. Cool. Also, I saw a uh, an interview with George Lucas talking about. Did you see that? It just came up on Twitter. What was it? He's talking about Phantom Menace. Uh-oh. And it, he just watched the final cut oh, for the first I time, and he's like, maybe I went a little too far. I didn't see that. That was crazy. But you, hey, I like it, though. Again, I would rather, well. I would rather have the Phantom Menace be an original story. Exactly. Over seven any day. Exactly. I'd rather watch an original story fail than a sequel. F- 100%. Be moderate. Yeah. All right. All right, that's, uh, that's the moving, MCU in Star Wars. I'm moving into some some territory I think you will not agree on Ooh. at one bit. Okay. I'm I'm hoping that I have seen some of the... I don't know. Well, let's, uh, let's I, th- this is all... I didn't do any like crazy okay. movies. Okay. I have only ever liked one Christopher Nolan film. <gasps> okay. And it's Interstellar. Okay. I'm glad you mentioned this because I <laughs> I have a bullet point for you. Um. Can I can I explain? Yes. <laughs> I think that his concept films try to confuse the audience mm-hmm. more than tell a compelling complete story. Like Tenant. That the storyline upon inspection makes no sense. Okay. And when your lead actors literally are in interviews telling interviewers that they don't know what the movie's about. You haven't succeeded. You've made a bad movie. Did it look great? Yes. But was it a bad story? Yes. Interesting. And I, this is another hot take. I think that the Christopher Nolan Batman trilogy has done more harm for the character of Batman than it did help it. Because I I don't necessarily disagree with that one. There are hundreds of people, hundreds of thousands, thousands, whatever, that their only exposure to Batman were those movies. Yeah. And now they have this preconceived idea of what the character is when he's really not like that at all. I will 100% agree with you on that. And I just I just don't enjoy those movies. Um, Let me just, let me just read off the bullet <laughs> point I have here. Christopher Nolan is the most impressive filmmaker in the history of cinema. <laughs> what? <laughs> oh my god. And I have not even seen his entire 
I don't know what you call it. Not bibliography. That's for books. The most it? impressive The director. most impressive filmmaker in the history of cinema. <laughs> um, and the reason I say that, did we, did we talk about uh, Quentin Tarantino talking about Dunkirk, how it's like his favorite film of all time? I don't know if we talked about it on the podcast, but I know we've, we've talked about it. I still can't get over that. That's, that's a little crazy to me. But I will say this. <laughs> I, I am of the reverse opinion that, yes, his films, especially his most recent, I guess I'd say recent, I mean the last 10 years, are confusing. But that's, I, just like how we were just talking about Star Wars, I admire the ability to go for it. Christopher Nolan obviously makes a certain type of film. And I think he does it well. I enjoy Inception. I loved Tenet. I enjoyed Interstellar. He doesn't try to baby his audience. The most influential director. Of I didn't, I didn't all say most influential. What did you say? I said the most impressive. Impressive. Most impressive. Are you filmmaker. talking about like visual? Feats? So that encompasses everything. Visuals. I will say that the one caveat to that: sometimes his choreography is a disaster. I'm, I'm big on choreography. I don't know what it is. I'm, <laughs> I'm a big choreography guy. But most visually, um, thematically, uh, and just from a storytelling perspective, I don't, I don't know. I don't know what it is. I enjoy, I don't, there's not a film of his I don't enjoy. I've, I've got some films to show you then if you think he's the most <laughs> impressive filmmaker There's of all just, time. I don't, he, he's just so bold and so confident and he does it a certain way and I admire it. Have you uh, have you seen Lawrence of Arabia? Have not. Doctor Zhivago? Nope. Bridge on the River Kwai? Nope. We're gonna we're we're gonna okay. sit down when we move back uh, in together. We're gonna sit down. We're gonna and watch, watch this film. Lean. Okay. And you're gonna be like, yeah. The way that this dude directs a thousand extras at once <laughs> is miles above anything that Nolan's ever done. Yeah. I I just I I enjoy complex stories. I like things that make my brain hurt. I, I think it's impressive. I I, get, I just admire the ability to not treat your audience like you're just spoon feeding them. And mm-hmm. he makes cool movies, in my opinion. I really do. And I'm, I'm not anti Christopher Nolan. Sure. I'll go watch a movie and be entertained. But sure. then I'll be like, like Tenet, I didn't like that movie. Yeah. See, I, I really did. I really did. But we literally walked out of the theater and we were like, what is this movie? I know. And the more I think on it, the more I love it. Okay. <laughs> I need, I need, always need, uh, when I first watch a Nolan film, I'm always like, mm, I don't know. And then I just let it settle and it, I love him. I love Batman. But you're right. He has done a lot of harm to Batman and DC Universe as a whole. But that's a whole different subject. All right. What's your next one? I know you have a lot more than me. I do. Yeah, you're right. Um, the Shawshank Redemption is not very good and it's boring at best. Yes. That <laughs> movie, it's like. It's in the top 100 films of all time. I don't understand that. That and Forrest Gump do not deserve to be anywhere near the top 100 films of all time. And I and I like Forrest Gump, but it shouldn't be the top 100. It shouldn't be anywhere near the the top. But Shawshank Redemption, how do people like that film? How? Okay, like so what what, it what about it do you think is endearing? It's exposure because it is the perfect film to run 4 hours. Ugh. When you put commercials on it. Oh, uh, you're right. So when the rights got bought out that they could put the films on i don't even know what channel it goes on yeah and it's exposure it's on almost every single day somewhere in the country that's fair 
I didn't even think about that. We, I, I remember I learned about this in my class. Mm. So it's the exposure and people. And then when I think it's the power of people. Yeah. When someone tells you that this movie is good. Yeah. I just. Yeah, I, I guess that, that must be it. That must be because I, there is nothing about that film that makes me go. Wow. That is a great film. I, I just don't did buy Frank it. Frank Darabont directed. I ooh did he? He might have actually. Old Walking Dead boy. Uh, Let's see. We have our high speed internet access here. That's going to give us the answer. Ladies and gentlemen, while we're waiting, please follow yeah. us at the close screening. Yeah. Frank Darabont. Did he? Okay. No. But like, it's one of the see nine point three. Ew. Out of 10 on IMDb. It is IMDb's top film. Ugh. Uh, I don't understand it. Well, I'm glad we're of the same opinion there. I mean, I really don't know how to explain it. I j- it's just, it's boring. It's not good. I'm sorry. I, I have no problem with Morgan Freeman or the cast or any. I mean, and the story's fine. It's just, let's not pretend it's it's one of the greatest films ever made. It's not. Sorry, people. look up anything else yes about just the 1995 because 1995 oscars were pulp fiction shawshank redemption forrest gump four weddings and a funeral and quiz show okay i'm pretty sure i couldn't tell you who won best forrest gump won best picture over pulp fiction Ugh. yeah <laughs> um do you want to get into the next bullet Yes, but these two are one. Okay. It's my boy. James Cameron. I knew he was coming up. <laughs> I, knew he was coming I don't up. I don't I know I've I've bitched about him. Yeah. And I do respect the way he views film as a technology and always wants to push that technology and without him we really wouldn't have digital filmmaking. Very well said. But <laughs> I just think his movies are overrated. They are. We don't have to talk. We we talk about Avatar was, way too much. <laughs> but Titanic, very basic movie. That's another one that's in the same and vein as Shawshank Redemption. Yes, and it's on the top 100 films of all time, too. That I, gets a I, lot of exposure, honestly, too. I would rather have I mean, Avatar on the top 100 films of all time because of what it did. Right. And the, like, the camera, how they the 3D camera that they used, the first time that was ever used, this entirely like CGI world mm-hmm. that looks beautiful, mm-hmm. even if it is a basic plot and kind of boring yeah other than titanic this basic ass love story because i'm i'm really not a big fan of using tragic events as a backdrop for a love story yeah it's a yeah it's a little cliche and my second part is that cameron's aliens is in no way any universe a better film than alien because i know you just recently watched that i did I all he did was trade suspense for action and yes. So I will say I do enjoy Alien more than Aliens. I it's it's weird for me to want to compare them. Like they're it's like apples and oranges to me. It's so but weird because it, because it is so much. It's so, so different, different than Alien. Oh, everyone says oh Aliens is so much better, but it's right. not. It, it, when you think because you have to look at what Aliens was when it's in its inception. Yeah. It was a a monster film. Yeah, this undestructible killing machine. Yeah, where one wrong move and you're dead turns into this bullets 
Like it was a basically a bullet sponge. You couldn't kill it. Yeah. Nothing you could do. The only way that they could even get rid of it was shooting it into this vacuum, the vacuum of space. space, and we don't even know if that killed it. Right. But and then, then all the next them, yeah. you're literally just three bullets, and the, it's dead. Dead. And there's thousands of them. That's my biggest problem with that film. And I get, uh, and I hate the legacy of it too, because then it. I mean, I actually, I, again, I'm trying to eventually get three aliens, uh, the rest of the aliens franchise movies at some point. Did you watch three? Or yes. just one and two? Oh gosh, I watched three. Ugh. I don't want to talk about it. Um, a versus you, B. Like alien, because then at that point, the rest of the franchise becomes more like aliens than yeah. it does alien, and that's a problem. I, I'm I'm down. That's I'm 100% agreed with everything you just said. Good, thank you. Not that you have to agree. No, I I will because that's absolutely right. Um, for my next bullet point, this originally my bullet point read this. 1940s noir that genre was the greatest genre of film and then the more i thought about it the more i thought nope no it's not documentary films are the greatest genre of film and you cannot change my mind okay i had you on the first no there if you're looking for just a i'm not a big documentary guy myself not everyone is but i think they're the most captivating obviously just because they are a non-fictional yeah but way to tell solo i will die that free solo is one of the best documentaries ever made i free solo was one of those i had in mind but film noir is obviously one of the most iconic filmmaking styles of all time genres and some of the best films ever made are film noirs for sure or neo-noirs yes agreed i know we watched. We went and saw the Maltese Falcon together. Oh, that was awesome to see it in the theater too. It was so double cool. indemnity. Yeah, Casablanca to an extent. To an extent, and R- then you have like films like Chinatown. I know a lot of people say that Pulp Fiction's a neo noir, even yeah. though Tarantino's on record saying he doesn't make neo noirs. Yeah, Blade, it's Blade Runner. Blade Runner's neo noir. Yeah, you, you can classify that as a neo noir. Yeah, but yeah. it's just. It's such an iconic genre. It is. Out of the past. Yeah. Basically, just look up... A lot of Hitchcocks. Yeah. Look up freaking Noir and you'll find... Yeah. Look up... Oh, my gosh. What's his name? Uh-oh. The guy from Casablanca. Um, the, the main actor? Yeah. Oh, my goodness. Why are we... Uh-oh. Here's our high-speed internet access saving us the embarrassment. Oh, my gosh. I want... I'm looking right at him. What? Humphrey Bogart. (laughs) This happened to us before. It has, I was about to say. But Humphrey Bogart's in... So many noirs. Yes. But I, I I will agree with you that noirs are some of the... Most That's iconic American film genres. Sure. And then you have the Westerns, which yeah. defined America in the 50s and 60s. It sure did. Yeah. But I then you can't really claim that as American because you have Sierra G. Leone go to mm, Italy go. and you got all those spaghetti Westerns. There, yeah, that's funny. Italy. Yeah, I, again, originally I had noirs, which I feel like some people think is just like a very uh, dated sort of way of doing film but i don't know and then the more i thought about it i again i'm sticking to my guns i would watch a documentary film any day of the week over any film any film whoa over that's a hot take 
over a superhero, Star Wars, action, mystery, romance, suspense, uh, documentary films. They're the best. They're okay. the best. That's my hot take. So this this is my... I don't know if this is going to be a hot take, but this is my take okay. on the horror genre. Uh-oh. The horror genre has turned into a low-brow assortment of loud sounds and jump scares that has taken all artistic value away from the genre. I wish I'd wrote that because we had a conversation on this, and I agree. People, um, li- listeners, if you're one of those who are fans of, like, The Nun or... I, I don't even know. Because I, I don't watch these films. The You know who you are. You know what films you're saying. I, I'm, I need to go a little further. Let's do it. Horror films used to be the start of directors like Sam Raimi and his Evil Dead, mm-hmm. but has turned into a, and it was, the genre was defined by low budgets, practical effects, yeah, but has turned into high budget CGI clusterfucks oh. of noise Get and em. mediocre storytelling that only serves to lead the audience to the next jump scare. Very well put. <laughs> because I was watching, I watched The Conjuring. Because the, the first Conjuring. Conjuring 2, right? We just watched the third one. But the first Conjuring film, when I was a kid, yeah. not really. I was probably in high school, but I was even like, this is different from the other horror films that I watch. Right. It had the the jump scares, which I'm not a big fan of it because I feel like if you have to rely on jump scares, your film's not scary. Yeah. Because if you're in a dark room no, with industrial quality sound and lighting and stereo systems obviously if there's a loud noise you're gonna jump yeah and that's that, that, cheap. that is not fear that emulates fear yeah that's just cheap but the first conjuring movie i was like this i need to rewatch it again because i haven't seen it but i was like this is creepy this is scary they right. do have jump scares but it doesn't rely too heavily on it and then i watched the second one like this year i was like okay this is not good yeah and, and the third one was god horrible awful. hot garbage and I just hate how the horror genre has turned into the only... It's like the only way that these people think that they can tell a horror movie is by making it about a demon. Yeah. See, that's the that's the kind of stuff right there. It it's has t- to it's be tired and played out. And there's on, only a few directors working that can successfully navigate this pitfall and deliver horror films that work on more than just the level of a, of a jump scare. Like right. Ari Aster. I know I'm in love with Ari Aster. I want to meet that guy so bad. I just want to see what's going on inside of his brain. <laughs> and you got... I mean, you're right, though. Like Robert Eggers in The Lighthouse and The Witch. Yeah. And they're they're able to create these experiences that almost go beyond whor- like horror in a sense because yeah. you watch Hereditary and you're you're not scared. It's in a... Like, jump scares emulate horror right. in a cheap lowbrow way yep. and then you watch Hereditary Midsummer, and you're like this isn't horror it's emulating horror in a way that makes me so deeply uncomfortable mm-hmm. that I am revolted that I just sat and watched this film but then you after you watch the movie you're like that was amazing yeah agreed and that's why because I've never been the biggest horror fan in general and I hated being like that old man on the porch with his cane that was like the shining and psycho and are the best horror films but yeah the shining one of the creepiest films of all time right does it have a single jump scare i don't think it has a single jump scare no 
But I appreciate what you just talked about with films like Hereditary, The Lighthouse, uh, Get Out, those types of films where it's it's a different like it's not. It's possible. I'm, yeah, I'm it's not because you just said I'm not, I'm not going to repeat yeah. it, but you 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 worded it perfectly. That's it's it. possible to make scary films without yeah, just jump scare after time jump scare. Because then like Guillermo yeah. del Toro is the perfect example of a guy who started his career off with Chronos, I think. Sounds about right. A, I haven't seen it, but I, I know it won the grand prize at Cannes. I, I, I was big into knowing about him because I thought he was going to direct Justice League Dark. <laughs> <laughs> and then like he directs Pan's Labyrinth, and like that's another one that is scary, but not in like it has scary moments. Right. And now, I, I he needs to direct something that's not The Shape of Water. That's fair. But I know you probably have a lot more. I only have one left. Oh gosh. Um, so well, I, I, and the, well, the good news is I can be quick about some of these. All right. Well, uh, so this one, and I, I just got thinking about it with Luca. We just, hey, everyone go check out Luca. Luca. If you haven't already, our episode on Luca. Uh, Pixar should never produce sequel films, and they maybe should never have produced sequel films to any of their films to begin with. Okay. And I to love that, Toy Story Should too. I pivot into my last one? Do it. Because it's right off that. Okay. Reboots, remakes, and sequels are destroying the film industry. Yeah. Okay. Of I looked at our local theater of the of the eleven films that are on theater right now, six of them are sequels. Or and then one Coella, which is a a reimagined prequel. That, yeah, that is. There are ten more coming out before the end of August, and from September to. December there are 19 sequels remakes or reboots wow 19 that's so bad in three months that's so bad four months I guess yeah and then there's and then there's then there's the ones that are being were supposed to come out this year that got pushed back until next year no I don't it and I can use Pixar as like my microcosm, I guess, for all of it. But I just like Pixar is supposed to be this innovative, you know, dare to be different Oops. studio. I think yeah. studio. And I just look. I mean, again, you know, Toy Story Two is probably one of Pixar's best films ever made. But I just hate that they feel the need for some of their most successful films to go back and do it. And not even like recently, but like films that came out 10 years ago that they want to go ahead and do a sequel now for. I don't yeah. understand. I don't understand and it that. Seems like I don't understand that. And the, the time it takes to make an animated film is crazy. Right. And the fact that they have made four Toy Story movies. That's th- And that's the thing. So I look at Toy Story and I'm like, there's no reason you need to make, say, a fourth one if you don't have something to say about the story or, excuse me, the characters or whatever. You know what's funny about this? We were literally talking about if Luca deserved a sequel or not. I know. Well, <laughs> and, and that's what got me thinking about it. Where I was, where I was like, does Luca deserve a sequel? And I'm like, you know what? It would probably be very well done. It would probably be, you know, I'd probably like it. But would I be happy that it exists? No, I don't think I like it. Yeah. Doesn't that doesn't need to be one? Not to say that I don't. Uh, let's not get confused when we say this. But the fi- the sequels are not bad. They're not bad. They're beautiful and they're right. usually re- well written. Right. But do do we need Finding Dory? No, 
No, we I, didn't. I tried to watch that, and I tried to watch Incredibles 2, and I was so incredibly bored. I know. And it just, like, it doesn't take away from the original film, but it sort of lessens it to, or like, I don't know. It just it's, it just feels cheap. And I guess I, my biggest problem is just that, like, I don't know. Pixar was created to be something that's, I don't know. I, I and don't. And, and it's weird because, some, I mean, you know, some films... Like our, some of our, yeah, some of our favorite films of all time are sequels, and like we're Empire Strikes we're Back, big Dark into Knight, like the MCU, which yeah. are it's basically one sequel after the other. Yeah, so it sounds it sounds like hypocrisy, but I don't. But I like, don't know. I'm all for a sequel when it's warranted, right? But like to me, A Quiet Place Two was not warranted. No, no, it wasn't. And. And I know there are franchises built on sequels, which is okay. Then there's right. a place for sequels. There is. But it's coming at the expense of original storytelling. It does. And that's the saying. If you have something to say, that's cool. I'm down for that. Like Star Wars, the sequel trilogy, they obviously didn't have anything to say. They didn't know what they were doing. Yeah, like when, when you have 11 films available to show at one theater and seven of them are being taken up by a sequel yeah, or some sort of franchise... Obviously, if you're a trying to get your screenplay sold, it's probably not ever going to see the light of day. It's so if much harder. There's only room. It's so much harder for four films at a time it's to be shown. Yeah. That's not a sequel. Stifles creativity and innovation. And that's why a studio like A24 is so impressive that yeah. they're a space for these original stories to be told. There's a new one coming out next weekend called Zola. Yeah, there I don't go. know. I don't know if I'll see it, but there you go. Dang, now I'm hyped. Now I feel like I need to watch it because I'm like, I gotta support. We gotta support. And All then right. Obviously, we have like Cine, which supports local and right. independent films. Exactly. Yep. Couldn't agree more. But that's it for me. So if you wanna. All right. Well, I'll, I'll run them through here. I got four. Four more. Oh, looks like it. Um, you don't have to rush. I'm just saying. Like, okay. Uh, no critic or viewer slash audience member should ever utter the complaint that. The movie wasn't a direct adaptation of its source material, like a book or a comic book. Or whatever. I agree with that. If it's, we wanted, two, it's two different mediums, people. If we wanted a direct... Not if we wanted... Why make something right? if it's just going to be the exact same thing you've already right. seen before? Exactly. Or read? I... And th- this was a hard pill for me to swallow because I, for the longest time, I'm one of those that, or I was one of those that was like, man, if it is not exactly the way that I saw it in its original interpretation, I'm going to be so mad and slight changes here and there well, kill me. I do think it's, to some extent, it is important if you're going to adapt a work. It is. To follow it to some extent. Right. Don't yes. contort the narrative and right. like characters in a way that you want to. My thing is there will never be a perfect adaptation. A book is not a movie and vice versa. They are two completely different mediums. You cannot f- have the same rhythm of of a scene play out in a movie than a book would. I, I like I don't know. Like it just logically doesn't make any sense to me. Mm-hmm. And the reason this comes up for me is because I feel like now in our society whenever something happens where somebody is cast and they look different or different race or something happens in the film that is like the biggest deal on Twitter or on social media. And I'm like, I don't, why do you want, you've, you have the perfect interpretation of this. It goes, it goes back to my very first point. 
you'll always have the Christopher Reeve Superman. Why are you complaining you're getting a black mm-hmm. one? Why do we need a tr- why do we need the most accurate representation of the thing you've already gotten? You have that thing. So that's 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 my point there. Should never should never be a uh, complaint. This one, I'm curious to to know your thoughts. Whether or not a film is good or bad doesn't depend on its director, but its screenwriters. Solely. 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 I I don't think that's true. Hear it. Well, like. I, I'm I'm story first guy. So David Fincher, okay, famously said, I'm I'm paraphrasing. Mm-hmm. He said there are one thousand ways to shoot a scene, okay, but only one correct way. Any thoughts on that? Before I give my thoughts on it, um, I, I don't know. Maybe, maybe. Yes and no. Because I could I could have the the best screenplay of all time. Mm-hmm. And I give it to a director. And if he doesn't have the vision mm-hmm. to enact this story, mm-hmm. then my my ideas are dwarfed. If if That's the fair. cinematographer doesn't put the camera in the right spot, yeah. And film a direct if he doesn't get the lighting right. And the tone is off for the scene. I could have written an incredible scene, mm-hmm. but if the lighting's off, if if the to me a, a film is such a complex, intricate work of moving parts yes. that if you can't say that this film is bad just because of one department. Right. And so, and I, yes, I will say this. And maybe I was a little too harsh, especially when I say solely, because a film is the product of many people working together in tandem to create something that is goes beyond just one person. And maybe I'm putting too much expectations on screenwriters or, you know, the script, whatever. I feel if you have a strong enough script, story, scene, dialogue, whatever you want to call it, that should be enough to elevate a film more than any other aspect of the film like i i do agree if you that. if you were to put two characters in a dark closet and kept the camera at their kneecaps if you had a compelling enough reason or exchange between those characters in my head that that i don't know well i don't know because now i'm like that's not even a film then i don't know <laughs> maybe, well, I'm, maybe, I'm, maybe i'm maybe i'm what makes a film right I don't know. Maybe I'm kind of going back on my own little bullet point here. I don't know. It was just something I thought I about. I do think that a a strong enough story will elevate a film yeah. from being bad to being mediocre. Sure. But I just think if if the person that's... I do think that at some points you can, you can pin the faults of a film on a director. Yeah. Or on... Because I watched a film last night and I was like some of these moments would have been better if the music was different. That's fair. I retract my bullet point. (laughs) Uh, uh, I'm not trying to make you No, no, I know, no, no. I, because some, because some of these, uh, you know, were very up the cusp for me. I, I am not giving enough credit to the, to the fact that a film is the product of everybody working together to make one 
finished product. That is, I'm, I'm discarding so much of what makes a film a film. Disregard it. Retracted. Retracted. Um, I like this one a lot. When we talk about the highest grossing films of all time, the real and only metric we should be using to talk about the highest grossing films of all time is the adjusted for inflation numbers. So we're going we're gone with the wind. So, and I, I have the list. from I just have the top ten. Gone with the Wind is number one, followed by Avatar, Titanic, the original Star Wars, Avengers Endgame, The Sound of Music, E.T. the Extraterrestrial, The Ten Commandments, Dr. Zivago, and Star Wars The Force Awakens. Yeah. We, I, I'm done talking about highest grossing films without talking about adjusting for inflation. Um, how m- did, did you see how much money yes it, in 2020's numbers that sounded wrong gone with the wind was three billion seven hundred thirty nine million dollars with avatar about 500 plus nah just a little under 500 million dollars behind i'll go one step further okay i think if we're going to talk about the highest grossing films of all time we should talk about Internationally, ooh, because can you give me a what? What was the exact number of the number one? Gone with the Wind was three billion seven hundred thirty-nine million. Okay, if we're looking at just China, uh oh. Um, I didn't even consider internationally. It slots in at number seven. Wolf Warrior 2 made $5.68 billion. Wow. And number two is in theaters right now and has $5.4 billion. That's insane. That's coming out of COVID, too. Mm-hmm. And then a film, let's see, De- Detective Chinatown 3 came out in February of this year. Yeah. And is at $4.52 billion. Wow. When did Hi Mom come out? Okay, the same time. Same time. Hi Mom is just crushing it. I have seen The Wandering Earth. Yeah. Actually, a pretty good film. I um, I don't know. Can we, you know, the the current talk about, I guess most recently when Endgame came out, it was the big, you know, oh, it beat Avatar, and then Avatar was re-released, and oh, Avatar is retaking the throne, and. And I feel like the it's used as like a metric of how good the movie is. Right. When like I don't think it's fair at all. Like like, l- like no offense, but gone with the top five. Gone with the wind, Avatar, Titanic, Star Wars, Avengers, Endgame. Half of those are not like the greatest films you would you would ever of yeah. being called a good a great film. Gone with the wind. I would need to watch it again. Yeah. But I do I do like me some Gone with the Wind. Um but yeah. So I don't know. I from now on, when you address me, not just, I'm, I'm talking just holistically, viewers. <laughs> you when you address me with the highest grossing films of all time with these figures, you better be coming to me with some inflation, adjusted for inflation, adjusted inflation numbers. All right, final two, and they're gonna be very quick. They're they're kind of, they're kind of gags. Uh, Greatest Showman is incredibly overrated. 
<laughs> never seen it. Never will see it. There you go. Have well, no interest to ever see it. Move on. The okay. <laughs> Final. And this this is a circle back to our to our top ten favorite films of all time. I recently rewatched this film again, and it confirms what I knew to be true. E.T. the Extraterrestrial <laughs> is undeniably the greatest film of all time. You can't change my mind. It's basically a fact. Steven Spielberg. I'll need to rewatch it again. I but I could watch that film on replay every day for the next fifty years. I know. It's the greatest film ever made. I'm sorry. It's a fact, people. One more thing I'm gonna add okay. about Steven Spielberg. Let's do it. If you're listening, Steven. <laughs> I I ought to slap you in the mouth. First off, why are you making a West Side Story? Ugh. I know we've talked about this before, we but did. it it boils my blood that he's doing that. It's probably done. Yeah. But then he exits Indiana Jones. I, so I just recently watched the South Park episode where George Lucas and Steven Spielberg were raping Indiana Jones as a reference as a reference to when Kingdom of the Crystal Skull came out. And I just saw yesterday that Harrison Ford hurt himself on the set of Indiana Jones 5. Oh, no. I literally just saw a picture of him in his... Yeah. The man's going to kill himself filming one of these one day. He's he's going to die. did he get in like a motorcycle accident like a couple years ago? Yeah. Or and a plane? He crashed a plane? He crashed a plane. He almost like amputated his arm on the set of Force Awakens, I think. He he didn't even do anything in that movie. Yeah. he This dude is fragile now. But like... <laughs> I don't know what the expectations were going into that movie, but I'm sure that one of the selling points of getting Harrison Ford back as Indiana Jones was having probably a lifelong friend direct the film with him as like a swank son could be one of his last times ever acting. And then he leaves the project, which to me as an Indiana Jones fan, as a Steven Spielberg fan, I have no interest in watching that movie at all. I might as a moral, moral principle, not see the movie. Yeah, because <laughs> why would I? That would that'd be like if George Lucas directed. The, I know he didn't direct the f- right four and five, but if right. if it, it was his child, and then for the Revenge of the Sith, he just exits the project. <laughs> yeah. and has nothing to do with it. Nothing to do with it. Yeah, I I, I couldn't agree more. I, I know. I'm I know I, I'm gonna see it. I'm gonna see it. <laughs> like it's not gonna be good. I know. I know. Well, I hope I hope that Harrison Ford can make it to the end of filming. And is Shia LaBeouf going to be in it? Oh my goodness, what is going to happen? Well, yeah, what is that film even? And like at this point, like, <laughs> like that's that's a trilogy. That's like, I consider that franchise to be a trilogy. Yeah, N- I don't. Yeah, I don't I think anyone's. I would never go watch Kingdom of the Crystal Skulls ever again. I. I saw it in the theater, and I remember as a kid thinking that yes, was one of the worst films a, I'd ever seen. Even as a kid, you're like, what the hell did I just watch? Yeah. That's, this movie that, goes off the rail. I, South Park got it right. They raped him. And it's like, he barely, I'm not going to say barely could do any of that stuff back then. Right. But you could tell that the things that they were letting him do yeah. was not much. Uh, they were giving Shia LaBeouf most of like the action sequences. It's it's like they were setting Shia LaBeouf up to be the next indie. Why why are aliens in that film? I don't understand. I mean, I do want to go watch those movies. I haven't seen them in a long time. I enjoy those. The first two I really enjoy. Raiders, one of the one of the greatest films of all time. So it's good. not on my top ten list, but it was close. It's close. It should always be an honorable mention. And I enjoyed Temple of Doom. I I love Short Round. And 
Shout out to Back to the Future for never making a sequel. And I don't remember the name of the guy who owns the rights, but he said that they will stay in his family forever. Yeah. So that no one I, can I ever make a sequel. You should probably say, uh, you maybe like reboot maybe instead of like, you'd probably consider Back to the Future 2 and 3 sequel, wouldn't you? Uh, yeah, I guess. I, well, I know what you mean though. I know what you mean. They're never going to do a 40 year <laughs> out tr- sequel. Yeah. Yeah. Good, good for, good for Back to the Future. That doesn't deserve that. <laughs> all right is that about wrap us up um this is a long episode so if you stayed with it, us till if the you end, stayed till the end our audience seemed to really enjoy it too you, you couldn't hear them uh the entire time but oh, they, yeah. were, they were clapping the entire the entire episode they had some they threw some tomatoes at us because of how hot <laughs> our takes were we had people storm out yeah this is this was nice this i don't know if th- we had anything too controversial no actually i feel like it was actually kind of tame there are some things that are going to make some people mad, but... Hey, if it makes you mad, follow us on Twitter uh, at Closed Screening and tweet yeah. at us. Tweet at us! Tweet at us. Give us some suggestions. If you you're, won't, you cowards. If you're one of our few listeners, yeah. tweet at us. Give us, a, give us a recommendation. We'd love That's right. to hear a recommendation on That's right. what you guys consider to be your favorite movies. That's right. And uh, looking forward, looking ahead, we have... is Shoot, it's the next episode for in Film Friday? Let's see. Are we, are we in it already? I think we're... We're already uh, we're already done with June, I think. Oh gosh, it's the twenty fourth. Time is flying. Yep, our next after this, it'll be uh, e tu mami tambien. E tu mami tambien. See. Si. Have you watched it yet? No. Okay. No, señor. <laughs> no. En español, por favor. <laughs> All right. Well, but I think. Hold on. Let's just look if the, any new movies are coming out. Mm, let's see. Well, he's doing that once again. Uh, in all seriousness, follow us at the closed screening. Uh, let your friends, family, co-workers know we're out there. We're on Apple Podcasts, Spotify. We're all all good podcasts are. Um, are you interested in the Forever Purge? Absolutely not. That is like the epitome of just trashy. Absolutely not. And like, I watched the first one. It was okay. Mm-hmm. But this this one, all the rules are broken as a sect of lawless marauders decide that the annual purge does not stop at daybreak and it should instead never end. So now the original premise of the film is completely out the window. Oh, yeah. It's just murder everyone. But to go back to my original point, yeah. real fast before we quit. Let's do it. So tomorrow we have Fast 9 comes out. Ugh. Then the Forever Purge. The Boss Baby Family Business. Oh, my god! Black Widow. Mm. Space Jam A New Legacy. Escape Room Tournament of Champions. Mm-hmm. This is all... And then Snake Eyes, which is the G.I. Joe. Oh, Lord. Actually, I, I knew a lot of Snake Eyes fans are excited for that. A lot of G.I. Joe fans. And then we have Suicide Squad. Yeah, that's Don't c- Breathe sequel. Did you, what, did you see the new trailer for the Suicide Squad? Yeah, it looks... Okay. It looked, it looked better than the first one. It did. Paw Patrol the movie, which is technically a sequel. <laughs> Candyman, which is a reboot. Shang-Chi. Venom, Let There Be Carnage. The Many Saints of Newark, which is the Sopranos sequel. Oh, wow. Dear Evan Hansen, which is a remake. Dune, remake. Hotel Transylvania, Transformania. Sequel. sequel. The Adams Family 2 sequel. No Time to Die, Halloween Kills. Jackass yeah, 4. Okay, no. Uh, give me that one all day. 
Ghostbusters Afterlife, Top Gun Maverick, Resident Evil, Welcome to Raccoon City, West Side Story, Spider-Man No Way Home, The Matrix 4, The King's Man Sing 2, Downton Abbey 2, and that's it for this year. Whew. That's a lot of sequels and remakes. Mm. It's, it's and they'll crazy. all make lots of money. Probably. But I think that's about it for us here. That's it. If you made it through, congratulations. Thank you. This is a long one. Yeah. Hopefully you watched it over, you know, on a long run or in the car. This, this is a nice trip podcast. Yeah. The, the, this was nice. I, I enjoyed this. This is definitely uh, reminiscent of our, uh, like the first of episode. Of the early days of just yeah. talking. It was, this is uh, shooting the shit, as they say. <laughs> All right. Well, yeah. Follow us. Uh, let us know what, what movies we should talk about next. And we'll see you next time. All right. Thanks for listening.